1: Uh, one of the things, you know, from last Wednesday was that we understood or we are reminded that the Christian life is not a funfair. What is it? It's a warfare. Praise the Lord. And, you know, it's a mindset that you and I need to cultivate. It's a mindset that we need to embrace. In fact, it makes all the difference when you understand what it is about. I remember in my um, first year in the university, You know how you're just excited, finally you're no longer a student, you're now a campus guy, a campus babe. And uh, we had this lecturer, a Ghanaian, who never failed to remind us that a degree, a degree, is not a mango fruit that you pluck from a tree. A degree is not a mango fruit that you pluck from a tree. You know, with his Ghanaian accent. And I I wish I really had, um, you know, taken him more seriously. I'm sure I would have done better. But he kept saying that to us, you know. And he must have had his good reasons. Because, you know, you step out from secondary school where you're made to do what you should do. And you enter the university where you're allowed to do what you want. Failure rate in university is more than failure rate in secondary school. Because in secondary school you're made to do what you should do. But in the university, you're free to do what you want to do. It's just that the results won't change. You get the results you work for. Praise the Lord. So in secondary school, they give you assignments, you don't do it, they punish you immediately and they make sure you do it. But in the university, whether you attend lectures, whether you do assignments, you're free. You know, the only thing is that the whole thing is being aggregated. And when you're done in the school, they'll say whether it's attempted school, third class, second class, you know. That's when the whole thing now pops up. And you see that really, all these things we are counting. Praise the Lord. The same thing it is with a Christian life. You can start your Christian journey. And you know, the message of salvation, the Bible aptly calls it the good news. Praise the Lord. It's the good news. It is the greatest news ever heard and the best news ever preached that's why we are privileged to have the opportunity to share the gospel with anybody praise the lord okay there's a preacher that said he was so excited about the gospel that he went into the forest and was preaching you know um the amazon forest and was just preaching and preaching the gospel just preaching proclaiming the gospel and he said sometime in his life Either a couple of years or a decade later, he met a man who told him that he got saved under his ministration. And he was, you know, just okay. But the man said, have you bothered to ask where I heard you preach? And he said, no. He said they were logging wood in some forest, you know. And they heard a man preaching in the middle of the forest. (laughs) And they said, what's wrong with this man? So they all listened. It's if he was amongst those that gave their lives to Christ in that forest. Praise the Lord. But the man never knew anybody heard him. Okay? So preach the gospel anywhere. Praise the Lord. Preach it to whoever, whatever. It's the greatest news ever. And you see, it's so sweet that you hear, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In fact, you look at that and you wonder, how could anybody... He the gospel and turn his back on it. But the Bible says the God of this world had what? Blinded the minds of those who do not believe, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ will shine on them. Okay? So there are deep things at the back of it. That's why one of the major things in winning any soul is the prayer of intercession. That the eyes of their minds will be what? Opened. Praise the Lord. So that the gospel can shine in. So the gospel is good news. However, when we are saved and we've received that gift of God, okay, something happens, which, you know, some time ago, I think the Lord just helped me to understand it because it's a concern to me. It's a challenge because those who say that God's goodness, you can never finish it. It's grace, grace, grace. That's correct. Praise the Lord. No man, we're saved by grace, Okay. It's not of works. The best of our works are what? Filthy rags. It can't take you anywhere, okay? So the grace of God really is what saves us, okay? However, when this grace saves you, brothers and sisters, now there the work begin. Are you getting me? That's why you can get into the faith and actually think it's a fun and just shout and claim and, you know, just make all the noise, but you will not go far. Let me break it down with a simple illustration. As we all attended church today, assuming you know, my billions have come, and I decide to bestow on you part of my estate. Okay, so I give. Um, okay, Ahmed. Okay, I like Ahmed more, so I give Ahmed ten million naira. Okay, and this ten million is in cash. I give it to you in dollar equivalent cash. Okay. Praise the Lord. So, I'm disbursing it. Who else wants to take some money home? Okay, Pastor Nat, I give you 50 million naira, equivalent in U.S. dollars, okay? And I give to you CY, okay? Now, I disburse it like this to all of you. You know what is going to happen? Most of you will not go back to where you came from. Ahmed, will you go to your house tonight with $50,000 cash? You will not go back, you know, like they say, it says, you're not going back the same way you came. Even those who came by Kekenapep, they will not call ordinary Oba. They'll call executive bulletproof Oba. What has changed? Grace has met you with a gift, but the gift has changed your orientation. Life is no longer the same. That's what it is with salvation. That's what it is. The gift is free. But the gift has a responsibility. Once it's given to you, everything changes. Praise the Lord. Okay, let's even break it down. Simple car. You come. We bless you with a car. Give you the key. If you leave it here tonight, it won't be yours tomorrow. Some of us won't go back the same place. Some of us who don't know how to drive have to get a driver. Are you getting what I mean? It's a free gift, but it changes you. It changes everything. It changes everything about you. That's what salvation does. It transforms you. You can't be the same. The people you were laughing with, you get that type of money. Some of your friends, you won't answer their call because they can sniff money. <laughs> now, where are you? He said, I know they. I know they are taught. To- are you in church? I know they. Are you at home? I know they. I don't want to see you. What has happened? You have received something. Praise the Lord now we use money we use cash. the greatest gift is what we have received the gift of salvation in Christ Jesus you can't have salvation and behave anyhow you can't have salvation and talk anyhow you can't have salvation and go anywhere so the moment you have this gift which comes like you know we can use for you now enter into a warfare that's what I'm trying to explain praise the Lord in the first instance before you and i had it we were captives of the devil now if you're a captive of the devil he maintains you praise the lord did i communicate that kidnappers maintain those they kidnapped isn't it (laughs) but once those people kidnapped tried to escape the ones who were trying to treat them and feed them what do they now want to do to kill them so we were captives of the devil before we got saved and he was maintaining us he didn't mind you know whatever we're just he made he put the boundaries but the moment you get saved he wants to steal to kill and to destroy the warfare begins is that understandable so christianity is a warfare the earlier you understand it some people have said i didn't used to have all these troubles before i got born again that's the explanation. Before you got born again, you were in prison. People who are in prison, the government gives them clothing. They don't pay Nepa bill. They don't pay water bill. They don't buy food. Am I right? <laughs> I actually heard that in Denmark, you know, I wish they had application. I would have advised some people to apply that. may even have applied. In Denmark, their budget for prisoners is almost $300 a day. That's almost... <laughs> Two hundred and something thousand naira a day. They budget for their prison. So if you go to prison there and come out and come back to Nigeria. Oh Lord. (laughs) In fact, with this information, some sharp guys will apply. (laughs) Say, why do you want to go to them? I want to go to prison. (laughs) What are you talking? I want to go to prison. Okay. So that is what it is. We come out. It's a warfare. Interestingly, that understanding, you know, begins to equip you to live victorious. The Bible says this is the victory that has overcome the world. What is it? Our faith. You understand it, then you know that the world, you know, the Bible is so beautiful. It says this is the victory that does what to the world? Overcomes. The moment you become born again, you are no longer of this world. The world wants to overcome you. You have to overcome it. So there's no longer neutrality. Are you with me? That's why the Bible says, He that loves the world or the things of the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The moment you're you're born out of the world, but you're still in the world. So the world wants to what? Put you down. And it's your anointing to what? To put it down. God said to Cain, he says what? Sin lies at your, and this desire is for you. But you should do what? If you don't have the warfare mindset, instead of ruling over sin, sin will rule over you. So that's one of the things we pick from this season. As women in particular, many things have been spoken to us. I think the warfare for women is actually more serious than that of men. Men, do we agree? Praise the Lord. Men, do we agree that women are fighting more battles than we are? Men, you don't agree? Okay. As a man now, your concern is what? You eat you cover your body with clothing and you go, right? Do you know the calculations a woman has to go through? Her eyelash, eyebrow, eyelash, lipstick, foundation, top up. She hasn't eaten. Food hasn't entered this calculation. Do you understand? And you know, we used to think that women do that because of men. No, they don't do it because of They do it because are women. And this thing is from... It didn't start now, no. Even before there was Facebook and Instagram, women had Wahala. That's why the Bible says, Men, dwell with your wives with what? Understanding. You have to think. It's not easy. Do you understand what I mean? It's not easy. Dwell with them with understanding. When men gather, we just gist. When women gather, they analyze, they evaluate, they criticize. Are you getting what I'm saying? Women, they are fighting battles. <laughs> Oh yes, you know that someone said something. They said when men gather, they throw you know jokes at one another, which they don't mean. So I just say, say see now, see your head like a uh, DSTV, you know, and then men will laugh. But I say when women gather, they will say, "Ah, Queen Mom, I like your hair." Then she turns to other. Did you see the hair? Can you see? <laughs> Is that true? Imagine the world they live in. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's why we have to dig deep into this thing so that having been established, we become what? Immovable. Praise the Lord. You know, men need the faith. Women need the faith. Everybody needs the faith. But women in this season, you need to be born again. I'm telling you, women need to be strong in the spirit. Women need to be grounded. Women need to be established in the faith. You know, all kinds of things. You you look at a woman, she's beautiful, excellent. And then she'll be having issues with self-esteem. Look at a man. The behavior is like this. The teeth is like this. He say, I'm cool, man. I'm cool. The devil doesn't waste time on men on that area. You'll be wondering, sister, what's the problem? He say, I'm feeling feeling in. Which man has ever felt like that? We don't know anything such thing exists, do we? We don't know. The devil is out, you know, to fight and to suppress. Why? He's still angry. Remember, the prophecy Jesus gave, or the word of God gave, is that the seed of the woman will bruise your head. But you shall only succeed in what? Bruising her feet. So, he's still very angry. He's still fighting women. So, women arise. Amen? Amen. And we shall remain arising in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. So we established that. And then on Sunday, we saw some interesting dimension also from what um, our sister Reverend Chichi taught us. Where she told us about Deborah, the arising and the arising. It was very, you know, important that that point was taken. Because you see, you read scripture and you think these people are special forces. So, but we saw that the Bible says, until I Deborah arose. The point I saw from there is that there was not a message to Deborah arise. Are you with me? No, the spirit of God did not tell Deborah arise. Arise Deborah arise. No, we're all together. Then Deborah said, no, enough, enough. And it's like, you know, our dad has told us here several times the illustration. In a marriage, it says, husband do what? Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself. He said wives do what? Submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Now, in any marriage and in every marriage, somebody has to do it first. If the man is waiting for the woman and the woman is waiting for the man, that marriage is gone. It's finished completely. Well, one person arises, the man, and begins to love the wife as Christ loved the church, he is going to get a woman that submits to him as what? To the church, submits to Christ. If the woman in that case is the one who first arises and starts loving and respecting and submitting to the man the same way that the church submits to Christ, you know what that woman is going to get? Even if she's married to a beast, that beast will do what? Will begin to love her because it's the word of god and the word of god does what it works but the challenge is who will arise who will go first praise the lord so deborah said i arose deborah said i arose i said enough is enough let's go to the scripture judges five deborah said i am going to get up and you know what i perceive happened there is that um when Deborah arose, something interesting happened. I believe that when Deborah arose, God said to Deborah, because that passage, we looked at it at lunch, our Fellowship here. I'm referring to Judges 5-7, where it says, village life ceased, it ceased in Israel, until I Deborah arose. Okay? Praise God. But what I see happening here, is that in chapter 4, if you go back to the other chapter now, you see what happened there. Deborah in her arising something happened he said then she sent let me read from four it says now deborah a prophetess the wife of lapido was judging israel at that time and she would sit under the palm tree of deborah between ramah and betha in the mountains of ephraim and the children of israel came up to her for judgment he says then she sent and called for barak the son of abinam from Kedesh in naphtali and said to him has not the lord God of Israel, commanded, go and deploy troops at Mount Tebor. Take with you 10,000 men of the sons of Naphtali and of the sons of Zebulun. What I see happening here is that the thing moved Deborah and Deborah arose and said, I'm going. And God said, Deborah, calm down. Send for Barak. He's the person that will go. Do you get it now? Deborah arose to go. And God said, at least I seen someone. But he said, send for what? barack that was what happened so that's how come in between the first arose and the second arose in. <laughs> that's what happened she arose said enough is enough now because you see if you think too much they call it the paralysis of analysis if you think too much how the solution is going to come completely you will not arise when deborah arose she didn't have the solution but when she arose, God gave her the solution. Until life, village life, what she knows is that this cannot continue. I will not permit this to continue to happen. Now, whether she knew the seven steps to completion, she didn't have it. But when she arose, then they said send for Barak. And then Deborah became a mother in Israel to Barak. Is somebody getting it now? So what he's saying is this. The stimulus or the stimuli that God permits... And you are sensitive to it. Trust him. Praise the Lord. Take that step. Make that move. And the God who is omnipotent, who is omniscient and who is omnipresent will take it from there. Somebody say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm going to give you an illustration of what I just analyzed. Okay. Come with me to Exodus chapter 2. Because the whole idea of what we are looking at is so that every one of us will arise. Isn't it? No opportunity will be missed. In Exodus chapter 2, from verse 1, I'll read and I jump. It says, And a man of the house of Levi went and took his wife, a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, dubbed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. Now, what is happening here? The background to this thing happening here. Is that Pharaoh had said, Well, since the midwives are not obeying me, he gave a general instruction to all the Egyptians. Any male son born to the children of Israel should be what? Should be killed. If you don't know what to do, just throw the child into the you know a river. And this woman had this child, Jochebed, for her husband Amran, had this child. And the Bible said, verse 2, Exodus 2, 2. The Bible said, when she saw that he was a beautiful child, some translations will say a peculiar child. Some will say a special child. Some will say a proper child. When she saw, she said, this is not the type of child they throw into the river. That was the beginning of calling the attention of God. What has God shown you? In the life of Moses later on, God did not shout Moses' name. This afternoon at lunch, at our fellowship, Pastor Max was trying to tell us to hear what God is what, saying. God did not shout, scream to Moses when he was minding his business. Moses, at a point, minded the bush that was burning but was not consumed. It was when Moses turned aside to behold it that God said, Moses, Moses, he didn't shout. What it means is that there are situations around you, around us, that God is expecting you as his child to have a sensitivity to. This woman said, looked at the child and said, hey, this is not the type of child they kill anyhow. And she held on for one week, four weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks. And even then she said, even if I'm going to put him in the river, he's not to drown. She made an ark of bull rushes, lined it with asphalt, and then put the child in and sent the sister. Watch. Let's see what is going to happen. Child of God, part of what we're going to, we're still going to go back to 2 Peter 1.5, where we look at add to your faith. Something in this family said to them, there is God. Let me say there is God. Let me say it again. Something in this family said there is God. Pharaoh is killing sons everywhere. But this son, this particular one, there is God. Is someone hearing me? This particular sickness, there is God. This particular challenge, there is God. That was what happened. The woman said, I know the normal thing. Everybody was saying, are you crazy? Do do you want to endanger the whole family? But something in her just said, this child is not like that. I will not do that. And that was the beginning. Look at the story as it unfolds. They put the child on the river, and then Pharaoh's daughter comes, and they say, overturn that thing. Let that child die. She said, bring the child to me. Can you see what happens? The key thing there is this. Just like we talked about Deborah, God did not shout to the woman and say, this child, don't give her to Pharaoh. There was a sensitivity. May God awaken us to divine impulses in Jesus name. Amen. Now, we move on from her own experience. Verse 9. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to uh, Miriam, Moses' sister, "He said, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I'll give you your wages." So the woman took the child and nursed him. And the child grew and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So Moses became, you know, Pharaoh's daughter's son. So she called his name moses saying because i drew him out of water now notice what is happening here now moses had become adopted into pharaoh's house and was now the bible says and he became her son isn't it so officially moses was no longer the son of Jochebed. am i right this was his new family see what begins to happen here verse 11 read it for me now, and it came to pass in those days. What happened? When Moses was what? Now, listen now. Just hold on a bit. Verse 9 says, Take this child away and nurse him. Verse 10 says, This child became Pharaoh's what? Son. 11 says, This child grew or was grown. Am I right? Now, see what happens there. The Bible says, When this child was grown, When Moses was grown, When he was no longer a child, He went out to his brethren And looked at their bodies two things there before we move who is his brethren now but who is supposed to be his brethren who were his brethren when he was a child clap for yourselves he became pharaoh's son if it's pharaoh's sons then pharaoh's other sons are his brothers that's his family but that was when he was a child when he grew even though living in the house of pharaoh he knew that his brethren were not those in the house of Pharaoh. His brethren were the people of God. That addresses Christianity in the church in Nigeria. now. The Christian that is doing tribalism hasn't grown. Any Christian that has grown has one family, the people of God. A Christian cannot say he's Igbo or Yoruba also. He's a Christian first and foremost. But if he has not grown, is someone with me? If he said Pharaoh's people were his brethren, he will not be wrong. Because they were his brethren. But when he grows, he's able to have eternal perspectives. He's able to look into the way things ought to be, not the way things are. Are you with me? Racism. My brother told me a story. He said many years ago, he went to the U.S. in 1977 or so to school. He said he walked into a church to worship Some people came and met him, greeted him, you know, and gave him money and said, please, go and find somewhere. Yes, in Louisiana. Gave him money and said, please, go and find somewhere. They've not grown. Because when you grow, do you know what you consider? The Bible says Jesus Christ is our oldest brother. Which tribe is Jesus? Jesus is the Son of God. Okay? If the Son of God can humble himself to claim a son of Amici as his brother. Is it a son of Mwelewe village that will refuse to claim a son of a Katsina village? Do you understand what I'm saying? It's lack of maturity. He said when he was grown, you know, the word of God is so, as a child, he'll be saying, look at them, look at them. But when he grew, he says, look at us. Those became his brethren. And that was what took him to the next level. He says, he went to his brethren. And now what else did he see? He looked at their burdens. It was not his burden. Let me say their burdens. It wasn't his burdens. Listen to me. Somebody wrote, you know, he said, if you feel pain, you are alive. But if you feel other people's pain, you're a human. He said human, Me, but I just want to say human. Anybody that can feel the pain of somebody, whether he's with me or against me, is not human moses did not have anybody he was a prince in egypt but he saw their burdens and for their burdens he arose he didn't arise for himself i don't know whether deborah was affected when village life ceased i don't know how affected she was but this one moses could have gone back crossed his leg and continue to enjoy life but no that wasn't what he did It says he looked at their bodies and when he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren, can you see, Egyptian and the Hebrew. They are both his brethren. But the Bible told us in Hebrews choosing to identify with the people of God instead of identify with uh, the passing pleasures of Egypt. Okay? He looked this way and that way. When he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. You know, we don't know how right he was in doing that. He shouldn't have. We don't know. The lesson here is this, people of God. Moses was saved by his mother arising without any, you know, prophetic prompting. Moses is flowing in that, okay? Nobody else has said, Moses, come and help us. No, he just looked. And how do you know? Great business opportunities, great ventures have been accomplished just by somebody sitting and looking. And saying, what's that? Something must be done. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? Something must be done. We learn that the word arise means to awake. It means to, to stir up. Okay? So, Paul was saying to Timothy, he said, I remind you to stir up the gift of God that is in you. Before he said that stir up, he referred to the genuine faith that was in him, which was first and foremost in his grandmother and then in his mother. So, faith can be in you and be unstirred up. Hello, I can have faith that is not stirred up, which is now unproductive. I can have faith and then everybody just walks over me. You know, people are dying all around me. Trouble everywhere. I carry the solution. Part of the prayers I I want us to pray today is that we will be salt indeed. And there will be light indeed. Jesus says you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of... that will be salt indeed so that because we are here, this area will be preserved. Because we are there, here, there will be light. So, God said, look at Moses. Nobody told him, but something said to him, no, this is wrong. So, he arose, intervened, okay? He intervened, you know, killed the Egyptian, buried him, you know, was on the side of his brethren. But that was the beginning of Wahala for him. In verse 13, as we move on, he says, and he went out the second day. I think he had taken this up as... One of his, you know, schedules now. Every day he'll go out and look for who is troubling his people. So this particular day, he also went out. And instead, he saw two Hebrew men who were fighting. And he said to the one who did wrong, Why are you striking your companion? Then the one who did wrong said, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Let's stop there. Now, see what is happening here now. So this uh, Hebrew man knew what Moses did, right? To the Hebrews, what should they have thought of Moses? They are heroes, thank you. They are hero. Okay. What did this man say to Moses? He said, you're a criminal. That's what he said to him. Isn't it? He said, you want to kill me like you killed the Egyptian? Do you think we didn't see what you did? Who made you a prince? Who made you a rule over us? What has happened? is that because of this man's wickedness, perversion has entered him. when in a season where perversion has entered. What is happening in our nation today is not just difficulty, it's perversion of the highest order. You see, when a people begin to instigate what is not, as the motive. Are you with me? What is the motive? Why was somebody, people who have, are living together, people who have won, Why would somebody all of a sudden start, you know, pitting you against him? It's perversion of his heart. That man was evil. He could not address the uprightness and forthrightness of Moses. So what did he do? He generated wickedness from his heart. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? Now, it's important to understand these things because, you see, if you see it, you see where it comes from. The only reason that man raised that argument is because he was guilty. But did you see how he silenced Moses actually drove Moses away? Because the devil is not a small boy. Praise the Lord. Before you and I got on the screen, on the scene, sorry, the devil has been here. He knows what to tell. That's why couples, husbands, relations, if you are wise, is not everything that you imagine. How many of us have married people have had dreams where you quarrel with your wife, then you wake up quarreling with her? You think the dream happened. Then you realize that in a dreamer, oh, we know Korea. Has it happened to you before? The devil is the devil. Do you understand? Perversion. So all of a sudden, and you know, we that are Christians have to be very strong in this time. So that we don't let the devil move us an inch. Because he makes you, now all of a sudden, start hating somebody for no reason. Only because his interest is affected perversion crooked and perverse people using things that shouldn't be used he said who made you a prince and a judge who made you an oppressor of your brethren but you see when he raised that immediately moses lost every stand and the next thing moses did was what he ran away that was how the you know whatever plan for the deliverance of the children of egypt by moses was what aborted may perverse people not prosper in nigeria may they not prosper amongst us in the name of jesus may they not take what is plain and just twist it how can a tribe be your problem just for election purposes but for business purposes that your heroes do you understand how can it be it doesn't make sense but wickedness must find expression and they must twist something but the beautiful thing we see there is that in this very account see what happened there I said, and I said, Lord, you're amazing. Didn't the Bible say all things work together for good? See what happened there. So Moses ran away. Surely this thing is known. That's the last part of 14. 15 says, when Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now see this part, 16. 16 says, now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water. And they filled their trust to water their father's flock. Then the shepherds came and drove them away. But what happened? Moses did what? Moses arose. Because it was inside of him. You can't stop him from being good. Listen, if people can stop you from being good, your good did not cook well. He tried to deliver in Egypt... They chased him away. He found himself in Midian, sitting. He was sitting down thinking about his life, waiting Moses go do. But in that situation, he saw injustice. And he said, Moses will never tolerate injustice, no matter the land, whether in Egypt or Midian. He stood up. I feel like saying, let's just pray and go. Is that not enough to hear for today? Wherever the injustice is, Moses said, I will not tolerate it. He didn't know where he was. He didn't know whether the shepherds were the mafias of the land. He didn't care. He was one Moses, there were shepherds. They could have killed him and buried him and that would be the end of Moses. But Moses would rather die than use his eyes and behold injustice and ignore it. Some of us are afraid to speak. Some of us are afraid to talk. Some of us are afraid to take a stand. Some of us are afraid. What is the point living when your conscience is dead or is shared? What's the point? Do you know that that account we looked at in Judges 5, you know, I was reading it, you know, sometime. And the Lord said to me, this record that Deborah gave us here is going to be recorded about every event in our lives. They're going to say the part everybody played. Today, Jill is a star. Isn't she a star? Imagine if she didn't do what she did. We wouldn't know her. We wouldn't know her. But now she's a star. The same way there are events happening now. And God, the records of heaven are recording stars today. What are your responses? Some of them may never make the news. But it can just be in the little corner. Maybe just in your family house. Maybe just in your neighborhood. Maybe just in your office. God is saying to you and I, you are the salt of the earth you are the light of the world the truth is this the unbeliever there is no expectation on them the one who doesn't know christ there is no expectation the unbelievers they're lost they're in darkness the prince of the power of the air has total control over them praise the lord but we are children of light so the question is this like a uh, uh, reverend chichi made us understand everywhere we are that's god's intent that's why you're there that's why you're hearing what you're hearing. That's why you're seeing what you're seeing. You cannot afford to remain silent. Why? Moses did not. He stood up and said, this won't happen. Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. So the Bible says, Moses stood up and helped them. I want to read somewhere and then we leave Moses and go somewhere else. So this is what happened. So he stood up, helped them, watered, you know, filled their troughs with water. Now, these uh, daughters of well went home. And their father asked them, verse 18, how is it that you have come so soon today, right? Read 19 for me. And they said, and what? What did they do? Listen, the anointing to be who you are will give you introduction everywhere. These women, these girls said to their father, there was an Egyptian deliverer. The Hebrew brother said he a criminal. He went to a foreign land. The father asked, how did it happen? The girl said, an Egyptian deliverer came and delivered us. Listen to me, people of God. You are the salt of the earth. People should be, I wanted to use the word gossip. Permit me to use. They should be gossiping about you that you're salting where you are. They should be gossiping about you that you're lighting where you are. They should be saying, I saw one bald-headed man. I saw one short boy. I saw one fine girl. I saw one this. I saw, and you know, he just scattered our wickedness. Let's rise on our feet. Is somebody getting it? It says, An Egyptian delivered us. Delivered, that word is what Moses ended up doing for the whole nation of Israel. He tried it, they stopped him, he couldn't. He always arose. He could not stomach it. He never got tired of it. His stand was a stand. Moses was who he was. That's how come after 40 years in the backside of the wilderness, when God wanted a deliverer for Israel, God went there and fetched him because he was the deliverer inside of him. He didn't do it because he was Israel. He didn't do it because he was Hebrew. He didn't do it because he was in Egypt. He just did it because that is what is to be done. Brethren, I thought we'll have the time to look at it. Peter told us, giving all diligence, add to your faith what? Virtue. You know what virtue is? Virtue is is moral excellence. You see, you don't have to quote scripture. It's just the right thing. Are you getting me? Now, if they say add to your faith, faith is the one that will quote scripture. Say this man is a man of faith. He's spiritual. He's all of that. But, Lord help us. Do you know if the Bible says, add to your faith, it means you can subtract from your faith? Am I right? If the Bible says, add to your faith virtue, it means that you can have a virtuous faith. So when somebody is using Christianity to practice wickedness, he has subtracted virtue from his faith. Faith is moral excellence. Faith is morality. That's admired by all. Even your enemies will admire. They'll say, this guy is... We don't like him, but we have nothing against him. Isn't it? That's what virtue is. That's what virtue is. Now, if I can add it to my faith, then it means I could have removed it. Now, may nothing make you, may nothing make me remove virtue from being a Christian. So I now begin to use prayer and use Christianity to walk wickedness. God forbid. Somebody say, God forbid. You see moral excellence he said behavior showing high moral standard that's what i should add to my faith moses was who he was in spite of and when god said the time is now to bring israel out of egypt he left the whole people that were in egypt did you think about that it was a shorter distance to fetch somebody from egypt but god said no i have a man who has been consistent who has displayed excellence in character. Excellence in stance. maintained who he is. Anywhere he was found. So he said to Moses, come now. I'm going to use you. I want you to pray to the Lord. Give me grace. Give me enablement. To walk in moral excellence. You are born again. We're all born again here. Lord, you said I am sold. Lord, help me to be sold. Lord, I want to be sold. Especially, our society is decaying. Our world is decaying. There is so much decay everywhere. Lord, help me to be sold. Lord, preserve somebody through me. Even if it's one person that I turn around from this madness of my time. Lord, even if it's two persons. If it's a family, if it's in my family. Lord, help me to be a witness to them. And tell them, stop this thing. It's not good. Lord help me. Come
0: and sing been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Barnex Guarimpa Expressway, near next Kashin Abuja. For telephone 09-290- 9000 or 0703 You can find us online at www that the god bless you